Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part three of his teaching, Let Your Light Shine. Praise the Lord, we've been talking about how we as the people of God should let our light shine in a world that is increasingly marked by darkness. As we left off last week, we were reading through Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 5. I got highly motivated doing it, and I'll probably get highly motivated reading it again here. I want to read it again because I thought it would be a good place to start by recapping this amazing passage of Scripture. So if you would, in your Bibles or in your devices, turn to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 5. We'll be reading from the New King James Version. Isaiah prophesies here in verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Amen. It's happening now. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. Can anybody argue that darkness is not covering the earth? Darkness seems to be covering the earth, and it seems to be getting darker and darker. And it seems like we're going to be overwhelmed by darkness. But God. Amen. But God is now letting his glory rise within us so that our light shines so brightly it begins to punch holes through and dispel the darkness that threatens to overtake the nation and our world. Amen. Verse 3 says, And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your coming. Amen. If we let our light shine As the worldwide body of Christ, the way that we should, the Bible says it will begin to shake nations. It will begin to shape nations. It will begin to turn nations to Christ. Entire nations given their heart to Jesus. And the kings of those nations also coming to the Lord and being influential as kings that are now submitted to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughter shall be carried on the hip. Now, we talked about this last week, but I believe this is talking about in this current revival, which I believe we are in. There will be prodigals coming home. Sons will be coming home to their fathers. Daughters coming home to their mothers. And there will be great rejoicing. They'll be coming back to their parents, but also coming back into the fold as the child of God that they are. Amen. But verse 5 is just amazing. It caps it off in such a wonderful way. Then you shall see and be radiant. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Being radiant. Letting the radiation that is in you shine out of you. Amen. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. Last week we talked about this. That word exult actually means your heart trembles 
and grows larger. And there's two ways to look at that, I think. The number one way that you could look at it is, you know, your heart grows so big and beats so fast, it seems like it's going to beat out of your chest because you're thrilled about something. You're thrilled about the loss coming to Christ. Amen. And also, I was thinking about it as I was preparing this message. Another way to look at it is this. Your heart begins to tremble and your heart begins to grow for the lost. Your, your, your heart begins to long and grow to see them come to Christ. There's so many of us, we have our life that we live you know, we got our nine to five existence and we go about our business and it's me and mine and those that are closest to me. I'm going to make sure they're all blessed and all taken care of. And so many times we don't give another thought to the loss that are all around us. I think God can grow your heart in such a way that you have a heart for the lost. Amen. Glory to God. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. Why? Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. You know, anytime you see the word sea and it's not a specific sea or a specific ocean that's mentioned there, it means the seas of humanity all over this planet, the millions and the billions, especially those that do not know Christ especially those that do not know God. And so you put this all together and it makes so much sense. Then you shall see and be radiant. The light shall radiate from your being. Your heart shall thrill and tremble and grow larger for the lost because the abundance of the unsaved seas of humanity are coming to you. They're coming to Christ. Amen. So these verses paint a powerful picture of the supernatural nature of the light of God that lives within every born-again, spirit-filled believer. But in part three of the series, I thought it would be good to give you an even more vivid picture of the kind of light we carry as born-again, spirit-filled believers. And to do that, I'm going to draw from my background in science and engineering. I'm not going over anybody's heads here, but do pay attention. I want to stretch you a bit this morning to get you to see the nature of the power and the light and the glory that lives inside of you. To get you to see that you have the same power, the same light, the same healing radiation emanating from you that emanated from Jesus Christ himself. Let's talk for a minute about the son of righteousness. Amen. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, we'll be reading in the English Standard Version. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Malachi says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Verse 1 here is talking about the second coming of the Lord and the judgment that comes with Him when He comes. 
it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be actually pretty horrible. The prophet Malachi tells us there's a burning judgment coming in that day for the wicked and for the ungodly. Verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Verse 2. Trust me on this. I've studied it out. Verse 2 here is talking about the first coming of the Lord. And Malachi makes it clear that God has something different in store for his beloved, for those who fear or reverence his name. He says the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. So let's read it in the message translation. It's really cool. You know, the message has an edge to it that I like sometimes. Not always, but every once in a while there'll be a verse that is a real zinger in the message. So this is one of them. Malachi 4, 1 and 2 in the message translation. Verse 1. Count on it. The day is coming, raging like a forest fire. All the arrogant people who do evil things will be burned up like stove wood, burned to a crisp. Nothing left but scorched earth and ash, a black day. Verse 2, but for you, sunrise, the sun of righteousness will dawn on those who honor my name, healing, radiating from its wings. You will be bursting with energy like colts, frisky and frolicking. I can just see all of you in this place, frisky and frolicking. I'm creating a mental picture to help me get through this. I see it. Amen. Amen. Notice in verse 2 that Malachi uses our son, S-U-N, as a prophetic metaphor for the son, S-O-N, of righteousness. And that son of righteousness is, of course, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when he rises, the prophet says, healing power, life-giving energy, and joy will emanate from his wings, from his rays, or from his radiation. Amen. Glory to God, church, you may not realize it, but we're living in the day that Malachi prophesied about at least the benefits of the first coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we can say with faith in our hearts that the son of righteousness has not only been risen from the dead, but he's risen in our hearts. Amen. Within us. Jesus himself, after he was raised from the dead, he conferred his righteousness to his believers And with that righteousness, he conferred salvation, healing, deliverance, and great joy. Listen, if you don't have great joy in your life right now, something's wrong. I don't care what you're going through. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but I'm giving you peace. I'm giving you joy so that you can go through those times knowing that you're going to make it. Amen. That was for somebody here, probably more than one person. 
So since the prophet Malachi used the sun, S-U-N, as a metaphor for the sun, S-O-N, of righteousness, I thought it would be helpful if we took a look at some fun facts about our sun. You know, we don't think about our sun very often, but we need to. All right, our sun is an enormous burning ball of hydrogen and helium gas that is roughly 93 million miles away from planet Earth. Just to show you how far away that is, it takes the sun, even at 186,000 miles a second, it takes the sun's light about 8 minutes and 30 seconds to reach the Earth. That means if the sun was ever put out, we wouldn't know it for eight and a half minutes. Oh, my God, somebody put out the sun. Well, we got eight and a half minutes. Don't worry. One of the reasons that the sun is so far away from us is obvious. It is so large and so hot that our planet and the inhabitants of this planet simply could not survive if we were much closer. So how large is the sun? Well, there's a picture for you there up on the slide. That's the sun on the left. And the moon, there's an arrow going to it, but unless you get real close to this slide, you can't even see the moon. It's an indistinguishable speck. And then over there where it says earth and an arrow pointing to it, that little speck right there is the earth compared to the sun. Isn't that amazing? So let me help you build this picture by giving you some numbers. The diameter of our sun is about 840,000 miles across as compared to the diameter of the earth, a mere 8,000 miles. Okay, that's, that's cool. That's like overwhelming. <laughs> but listen to this. Volume-wise, it would take 1.3 million earths to fill the volume of the sun. That kind of makes it easier to see how huge the sun is. And our sun's not even a, an unusually large star. It's actually a medium-sized star when compared to some of the others out there in the galaxies. So how about this? Now that we know it's huge, how hot is the sun? Well, the core of the sun burns at 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. I was baking a pizza the other day, and it was set at 400, and I put my hand in there, and I got burned, and I thought, man, that is hot. But we're talking about 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. That's at the core. So in that core that burns at 27 million degrees Fahrenheit, there is a fusion reactor that takes the available mass of hydrogen and converts it into helium, releasing an enormous amount of energy in the form of light and heat. And just to give you some idea how much energy is being produced by our sun, it converts 4.4 million tons of matter into energy every second. Amen. And that conversion of mass from matter into energy is described by Einstein's famous equation, E equal mc squared. That's what that means. It means energy converted. And in the sun, 
That's why it burns the way that it does. Amen. I slipped a little Einstein in and nobody is the worse for the wear. Amen. Well, 1905 is when he came up with that scripture. He was a patent clerk in Switzerland. He was a wage earner. And he came up with the most, one of the most famous equations in all the world. Amen. Anyway, by the time those fusion reactions work their way outward from the center or the core of our sun to the surface, the temperature drops from 27 million degrees at the core to a mere 10,000 degrees at the surface. Oh, that's great. I can handle that. That's way better than 27 million degrees. But hey, wait a minute. Not so fast. That may be far cooler than the core. But listen to this. It's still hot enough to melt lead. To boil carbon, graphite, and even diamonds, the hardest substance in the universe. Whoo, that's hot. So here's an interesting and eye-opening factoid. Recently, they've taken some measurements that have indicated that the core of the earth may actually be hotter than the surface of the sun. Wow. You know, it's kind of an unpleasant parallel to another place at the core of the earth. Amen? You know, hell may be in another dimensional realm at the core of the earth, but I'm betting they share that heat somehow. Thank God there's a lot of rock between the core and us. And thank God Jesus came to spare us from the coming judgment that would put us in a place like hell. Amen. So why all the sun facts? What's the point? Well, I wanted you to know that this conversion of mass into energy that occurs, as I've already said, it's called nuclear fusion, which makes our sun quite literally a gigantic nuclear fusion reactor. And that fusion reactor is capable of producing enormous amounts of energy, making life on Earth possible. So here's the point I want to make. Here's the reason we went through all those fun sun facts. Each one of us in this room, hear me out. If you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer, each one of us has the Spirit of God dwelling in us, a fusion reactor of our own, a sun of righteousness burning on the inside of us. Amen. And whether you realize it or not, that sun of righteousness is much more powerful, produces much more light and much more energy than the light and energy that emanates from our sun. And it's living on the inside of you. Are you getting the picture I'm trying to paint for you? Granted, it's a different kind of light. It's a different kind of energy. But it's way more powerful than natural light and natural energy. Way more powerful. Why? Because it's the same light, it's the same power, it's the same energy that created the universe. It's the same light, it's the same power, it's the same energy that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So this is the picture that the Apostle Paul is trying to paint in our next scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Everybody's heard it, everybody knows it. Romans eight eleven in the King James Version. 
But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, that means make alive, your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Amen. Let me read it to you in the Amplified, which is the next scripture on that same slide sequence. Romans 8.11 in the Amplified says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Amen. The Spirit of the living God was dwelling inside the body of Jesus, and it was that indwelling Spirit, that fusion reactor... That son of righteousness that raised Christ up from the dead. Amen. That son of righteousness, think about it, preserved his body while he walked on the earth so that no sickness, no disease, no pain ever touched his body until he was scourged and until it was laid on him on the cross for us. And when the appointed time came, that burst of healing, raising from the dead, radiation healed him of those deadly wounds and brought life to his lifeless body. Only the scars of those wounds remain so that all of the righteous, all who call him Lord, throughout eternity would be able to see the evidence of what he did for us. Amen. But those are not the only ways I believe that supernatural radiation was manifested the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. I believe there was abundant supernatural evidence left behind for us to discover and for us to study. And one piece of evidence that I find intriguing and I find very believable is something called the Shroud of Turin. You know, for those who haven't heard about it, the Shroud of Turin is believed to be the burial shroud of Jesus himself. And it's kept in Turin, Italy, where from time to time, the keepers allow it to undergo scientific analysis. And the amazing thing about the shroud is there appears to be an image of a man that was evidently crucified that was burned onto the shroud by a sudden burst of some unknown kind of radiation. Now, the shroud was wrapped around the body in such a way that a symmetrical image, top and bottom, was burned into the cloth of the shroud. So I was watching a DVD one day on the Shroud of Turin, and it was interesting. It was fascinating. And then there was a sequence there where they interviewed a nuclear physicist who analyzed the radiation pattern that produced the image on the shroud. And I'm telling you, up to that point, I found it interesting. But when this lady nuclear physicist began to talk, I was glued to her every word because I knew a little bit about what she was talking about. And I knew the implications of the things that she was saying. And she said some things that absolutely blew me away. She said that the image had no deformation on the backside. Which means that just before the burst of radiation occurred, the body of the man was lifted up and suspended in air. Didn't Jesus say, destroy this temple and after three days 
I will raise it up. There's a literal fulfillment there. Obviously, there's a spiritual fulfillment, but there's a literal fulfillment as well. And it appears that the resurrection of Jesus quite literally began with a lifting up of his body. Then she said that the radiation appeared to emanate from within the center of the man. From within the body of the man, producing a symmetrical image on the top and bottom of the shroud. Finally, what absolutely blew me away, almost knocked me out of my chair, was this. And I want you to listen carefully because you'll miss it if you don't. She said that the pattern of radiation she discovered from her observation of the shroud was identical to that of the Big Bang expansion that occurred when the universe was created. I was like, what? That is amazing. And listen, some of you Christians I know have a beef with the Big Bang Theory. I don't understand what the beef is. The guy who came up with it was a Christian. It simply means that there was a one day... Way back when, there was a singularity, they call it a singularity, that was very, very small, very, very hot, and very, very dense, and all of a sudden, it appeared seemingly out of nowhere and began to expand, spreading matter and energy all over the known universe. You know what that sounds like to me? Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He simply said, universe, be! Bam! Big Bang, and it started happening. Glory to God. I don't have a problem with the Big Bang Theory. In fact, I think it's very logical, very scientific, and lines up very well with Genesis 1-1. But again, she said that the radiation that she observed on the shroud or that caused that on the shroud, she looked at what they call the background radiation of the Big Bang out there in the cosmos, and she said the pattern was identical. This is what it means. It means that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a creative event. He didn't just get raised from the dead to become like he was before he was killed. He became a brand new creature which never before existed. Do you see why I was so excited that day? Hallelujah. A new kind of being was created that day, one that never before existed, an immortal, incorruptible being that was the prototype and the forerunner of us all. Amen. Colossians calls Jesus the firstborn from the dead. Romans says he was the firstborn among many brethren. Guess what? We're the many brethren and the many sistren. If he was our forerunner, that means that in our future, there's a new body waiting for us, amen, which never before existed. That looks like an improved version of you. Amen. Amen. Everybody say amen to that. Hallelujah. (laughs) And the amazing truth of the matter is this. If you're born again, if you're spirit-filled, that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you. There is universe creating, healing, and raising from the dead radiation living on the inside of you. Amen. 
And one day that radiating power that lives inside of you will transform your body from the inside out. Mortal will put on immortality. Corruptible will put on incorruption. In the twinkling of an eye, in a moment's time, we will be changed into the same kind of being that Jesus is. Amen. We'll be just like him. Let's read about it in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means we're not going to stay dead. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Whoo, glory. Think about that. Amen. Think about that. That means if you're incorruptible, it means you can't be corrupted. It means sin can't touch you. It won't even be a temptation anymore. It'll not be an issue in your life whatsoever. And you will live forever and you cannot be killed. You know, there's a, there's a Marvel movie out right now called the, uh, the Eternals. Now, I don't know the specifics of it, you know, but Marvel's got a hold of something, whether they got all the facts right or nothing, but there is going to be an emerging class of human beings that will be referred to as the immortals, the incorruptible ones, and we're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years over regular, normal human beings, and that's a completely different teaching, and I can't go there right now, amen, <laughs> hallelujah, but it's exciting to think about that we're going to be like superheroes, it's, and it's not fantasy, it's reality. How cool is that? Why would you ever say no to the gospel of Jesus Christ if you knew all the facts? So let me wrap up this, this session by saying this. You don't have to confine your faith to the day that you get your new body to appropriate the promise of Romans 8, 11. You know, although our bodies are aging and you know, that sort of thing. We don't have to put up with the corruption of sickness and disease. We don't have to do that. We've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. Deuteronomy 28, Galatians 3.13. Look it up later. We can believe God that the preserving influence of that fusion reactor, the sun of righteousness, that healing radiation that lives on the inside of us can ward off sickness, ward off disease, ward off pain, so that we live out the number of our days, Exodus 23 and 25. It's a promise of God. So I'm just going to share this with you because I think it will help some of you that are dealing with health issues. Let me tell you what I say over myself almost every day before I start my day. And I encourage you to use the word and come up with your own version. You know, start slow and build on it. This has been built on for, you know, 20 years. And I may not say every one of these things at one time. I'll scatter them through the day. But most days, I say these things over my life. I say, Jesus himself, he took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. And with his stripes, I was and I am healed. That's Matthew 8, 16, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Furthermore, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Romans 8, 11. And it quickens and makes alive my mortal body. 
like a fusion reactor, that sun of righteousness, that healing radiation radiates from the inside of my innermost being. It starts in my spirit. It penetrates my soul. It touches every one of my 10 trillion cells, every tissue, every organ, every system, and it drives out sickness and disease from my body. It kills virus, harmful bacteria, fungus, unwanted growth and cancers on contact. It preserves my vital organs and regulates all my body systems. Get this one. It purges my veins, arteries, and heart valves of blockage, obstruction, and restriction so that blood flows freely to every part of my body. Amen. Therefore, I do not have heart disease, heart attacks, strokes, or any such thing. It gives me keen eyesight and outstanding hearing. Proverbs 20:12 says, "The Lord gives us seeing eyes and hearing ears." Amen. All my body levels are kept at safe and healthy levels for me. I am free of sickness, disease and pain, and whom the sun sets free is free indeed." John 8:36. Now that sounds like a mouthful, but it only takes me about a minute and a half to say all that stuff. Amen. So once you get this revelation down on the inside of you, you can, you can use it not only to help yourself, but to help others as you pray for the sick. Pray for others with the knowledge that healing radiation radiates from the inside of you. Amen. And if you're praying for other Christians, realize that the healing radiation that's in you and the healing radiation that's in them can join forces and bring healing and miracles and supernatural recovery. Amen. Don't forget the light and the power that lives on the inside of you. Never, never underestimate it, especially when it comes to healing the sick. It is the most powerful light in all the universe. So let your light shine. Amen. Next week, we'll wrap up this series with a discussion of some of the other ways your light can shine for you. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean this. Your light is not just for the world. It's for you too. Amen. So we'll talk about how that light can benefit you as you pursue the path that God has laid out for you. Amen. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part three of Dr. Forrest's message, Let Your Light Shine. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us, and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.